This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for modern creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 22. Hi everybody. It is just me this week on the podcast by myself. It's been kind of a long time since I've recorded one just on my own and I actually have a ton of topics that I could talk about for these episodes so I'm really interested to know what you think, if you like the mixture of interviews and me talking on my own or if you prefer one over the other. You can let me know on Twitter or on Instagram or via email. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts. Also today I've had a cup of tea with actual caffeine in so I'm feeling kind of wired and maybe a little bit giddy throughout this recording. If you are listening to this as it goes out live, so that is on Wednesday the 28th of June 2017, I also need to let you know that today, the Insta Retreat, my online e-course for everything Instagram, will be going on sale. It usually sells out within the first day, sometimes within the first couple of hours. So if you want to grab that, as soon as you hear this, you should head over to my show notes for this episode, meanola.co.uk forward slash podcast 22, and there will be a link there to take you straight to the page where you can read more about the course and grab your slut. The course has been completely updated. It's having a huge overhaul. So it is the best version of it I have ever put out. And I'm really, really excited to get people working on it and to hear what you all think. Okay, that's enough of a sales pitch. Let's get on to what we're really talking about today. So this week I really wanted to talk about some of the reasons sometimes our audience might stop growing online, it might start to suddenly plateau and we can't seem to get past a certain milestone or even why we might see a bit of a decline. If you're thinking this applies to you specifically for Instagram, I really recommend you check out the first episode of my podcast as well, which is about the follow to unfollow bot problem. And also keep in mind that Instagram have recently cracked down on a lot of the providers of those fake accounts that would follow. So if you've suddenly started to lose followers at a faster rate, there may still be an element of that at play where they're deleting those false accounts. And so you're seeing a loss of followers who were never genuine to begin with. So don't despair if you're losing Instagram followers. Go and listen to that first episode but also stay here and listen to this one and just see if you think any of the points might apply as well. So when we create and share our content online, we're actually really incredibly fortunate because we are able to get direct feedback from our audience. It's something that a lot of creatives in more traditional industries have never had. So a debut novelist, for example, doesn't get to know what her readers will think about her book until it's already out and on the shelves. Or a columnist in the Saturday papers, she doesn't know which of her articles are being read the most, which ones are being cut out and saved in people's diaries and which ones people are just overlooking. With online metrics and analytics, we can actually tell all of this and more about our work. So instead of betting on which of his finished ceramics will sell the best and stockpiling those, a potter online can pay attention to what gets the most action on Instagram and then know before he starts making exactly what people are going to want. So when our audience growth stalls or even starts to decline, that can be a type of feedback too. In 99.9% of cases, when an audience fails to engage properly, it's a sign that your content isn't quite hitting the mark. Now I know that can be a little bit uncomfortable to hear when you're giving it your all, you're working really, really hard, but please don't despair. Often it's only a matter of needing some small tweaks and refocusing our efforts in a better direction to make the game-changing moves and kickstart all of that growth and excitement back into your work. So here are my top tips for refining your content to really hit the mark. Number one, and anyone who's downloaded my free Instagram ebook, which is available on my site, will already be familiar with this one, is to post only your best. So let's not confuse this with perfectionism. What we post never has to be perfect, but don't share content that you know is half-hearted or lackluster. 
You know, the photo that you share sometimes on Instagram because you've got nothing else. We've all done it. We're all guilty of that at 7am in the morning thinking, oh, that one will do. I've got nothing else. And of course, our best work can look different week by week, depending on our schedules and our energy levels. But our thought whenever we share content should be, I can't wait for people to see this instead of "Mm, I'll just make do with this. Likewise, let's not forget to spell check or have a friend proofread and to check our images for any problems before posting as well. I really like if I edit a photo, if I can, I'll save it and go away and look at something else, look away from my phone for a while and come back and check it again. Because sometimes I get so absorbed in the process of editing that I can overdo it and it's only when I look at it with fresh, rested eyes that I can really see what needs to be changed. Obviously nobody's perfect, but there is a difference between occasional human slip-ups and regular sloppy work or not giving something our best shot all of the time. So to check in, if you're posting only your best work, I would say look back over your Instagram gallery for the last few months and really think about what percentage of the pictures you would honestly say are your best work. They are the pictures that you would have posted no matter what because you're so in love with them. And how many are ones that you kind of used for filler or you thought could have been better but you didn't have the time or energy to go back and fix it. Number two, would you be interested in this content? So if you came across it, this photo on Instagram or your blog post in a RSS reader, would you want to see more? Set aside our egos for a minute. We need to look at this really honestly. Generally, we are a lot like our own target audiences. So our own level of interest can be a really healthy indicator of what theirs is going to be. So to check in, scroll back through your last 15 or so blog titles And really think about how many of them would tempt you to click on them if you knew nothing else about the author or about what was going to be behind that post. If you saw them on Twitter, for example, is it enough to make you want to click or would you just scroll on past? The same can be done for your Instagram pictures. You know, if it appeared in a grid on Explore, is that a picture that you would be interested enough to click on or would it not make an impact on you? We can learn such a lot by paying attention to our own interests and the things that draw our attention because those are the things that will be drawing the attention of people like us as well. Number three is high value. So great content has a value to the reader or the viewer every time. Maybe it makes them laugh or it informs them on a subject or it transports them somewhere else, it entertains them or it leaves them feeling really inspired. Basically, it has to give them something they didn't have before they came across that particular post. When we create from a place of scarcity or vanity or just general half arsedness half arsedness what we share is often quite empty of that value. As a general rule, the more your content matters to you personally, the more it will matter to other people too. So to check in, just go and review your recent posts on any of your social media platforms and try to place the value in each. So is it entertaining, inspiring, informative... What is the message that you're leaving them with? What is the take-home value for your reader from that tweet or that Instagram post or that blog post? If you're not able to label it, think about what you could have changed within that post to give it a really clear purpose and a clear value. Again, usually it's just a really small tweak. Maybe you could include a free download. Maybe you could include some links to other reading. You can give people something that just enhances it and gives it a little bit more value. Four, up your photo game. Honestly, this applies to every single online platform. If you're not able to communicate your message and story and images anymore, then you're at a huge disadvantage in the world of online representation and social media. Think about what makes a popular pin on Pinterest that gets hundreds of repins. What makes a picture go viral on Instagram? Which blog posts, which kind of tweets end up getting the most clicks and shares? And the clue for all of the above is it's not hashtags, it's not captions, it's not when you post them. It is always 
tied to the photograph. As humans, we're a really visual species. We can read so much information from a picture way, way faster than we can read it in written word. So not only does a picture speak a thousand words, but it speaks them much more quickly than the thousand words ever could. So learning the art of creating a picture that tells people what you want it to about your work and also engages and captures their imagination is a vital skill for the modern world. You don't have to be a superstar photographer. You just have to know how to put the things in your images that your audience wants to see. And as a as a little bit of a sales pitch here, I have to mention my course Bloom and Grow, which is also on sale at the moment and I will link to in the show notes. That is what we really focus on, that is how to create imagery that feels representative of you, feels inspiring and uplifting, but also captures your audience's attention. Five is to know yourself. So one thing that I've noticed popular online creatives all share in common is a really, really clear sense of purpose and self. They know their style, their message, their beliefs and their direction instinctively, and the result is a really clear, coherent message that's broadcast out to the whole world. More than that, they've got a fair amount of insight into themselves and therefore their audience as well. If we're trying to be somebody we're not, if we're too heavily inspired by somebody else, if we're burying our head to avoid confronting some of the bigger issues in our lives, we can expect a disconnect between our work and our audience online. The same goes for trying to be somebody that we're not. It can be so tempting in the online world to create a new persona for ourselves pretend our houses are always tidy maybe, or pretend to know more than we comfortably do about a subject, or pretend to be half a stone skinnier even. But with the increase in the less curated content, things like Instagram stories and live broadcasts on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram, it's getting less and less sustainable for people to keep that facade. Being yourself openly and unapologetically means that people can connect on a much more personal level and we don't have to work nearly as hard at pretending to be something we're not. To check in on this, I suggest asking a couple of good friends to look over all of your online content recently and telling you if it really represents you and your work or not. It's so important that if you're going to do this, you ask somebody who loves you, so not somebody who's hypercritical in your life, that is not helpful. And often the answers we get from the people who do care about us can be surprising. They'll say, but you're so funny in real life and yet you're never making any jokes in your captions. Or maybe you come across as kind of stern and professional, but normally you're so bubbly. It can be so easy to fall into the trap of trying to be a sterilised version of ourselves on the internet. So our friends are really well placed to tell us how much of us it's safe to share out there and give us a boost perhaps to share parts of ourselves that we thought we had to keep hidden away. As a side note on this one, I should mention that there are plenty of legitimate ways that we might be different online to in real life, simply because it's easier for us to show our true selves sometimes on the internet. So I have a post on my blog, which I'll link to, on something I called webtroverts, i.e. people who are introverts in the real world, but can be quite extroverted when they're online. And I class myself as one of them, and I know lots of you relate to that as well. And of course, there are other ways that that can manifest as well. This is why ultimately I called this point on the list, know yourself, because you need the insight to know when you're being more yourself versus when you're faking being something that's not really you. Struggling against our true nature is just always exhausting and futile in life. And it's only once we really accept what we've got and look at how best to work with it that all sorts of magic can start to unfold. Six, the right platform. 
So if you're not a visual person and you really don't enjoy photography and your work doesn't really have a visual component, why are you forcing yourself to use Instagram? Or if you find writing a real struggle and you hated it at school and you dread having to do it, do you really need to be blogging? This ties in with point five, where it's easy to get caught up in thinking that we have to be doing what everyone else is doing in order to succeed. We don't. We have to do what is right for us to succeed because anything else will fail. There are enough options available for you to find a platform that feels like a great fit for you and I'm giving you permission to focus on that one and to drop some of the ones that don't feel right. To check in, what are your favourite ways to share a message? Is it visually? Is it written? Is it orally? Do you prefer drawing to photography or do you like talking live on video with your mistakes there for everyone or are you much happier hiding behind a microphone and a script and getting it perfect? Do you generally like to use lots of words and have time to carefully explain a point or are you more one of those 140 characters quippy people who makes an impact with just a few words? Forget what everyone else does, think about what you do best, what you enjoy doing and where you can best share that. Number seven is spreading ourselves too thinly. So this is linked again to the previous point. Sometimes when we get so caught up in trying to be everywhere all of the time, we end up doing nothing as well as we could. I personally don't believe it's even possible to be on top of all of your social media at once. There is always ebb and flow and a trade-off between one thing and the next in all areas of life. So personally, I find the only way that social media will work for me is if I just follow my interests. So when I'm obsessed with Instagram, you will find me there all hours of the day. I'll be posting really frequently and commenting lots and just chatting away. But over the last six months, I kind of went through more of a Twitter phase. And so that was getting a lot more of my time and my energy. And I was way more consistent posting over there. Right now, I'm actually really getting into Instagram live. So my focus is there a lot and you'll start to see me posting there more and more often as well. What I find is if I try and force my attention into something that it isn't naturally holding it, two things will happen. One, the quality of my posts on that platform will decline because it's not from the heart, it's not genuine, it's not real. And two, I start to resent the time I spend online and I really dread it and I hate logging in and reading things. I work best and I'm pretty sure this is true for everybody when I'm excited, enthusiastic and really motivated by whatever it is I'm doing. So to check in, what is the one social media platform that appeals to you the most right now? Let's make that your focus for the next three months and let the rest take a backseat for a while. The sky won't fall, I promise you're not going to miss out, you're not going to miss the boat. It's three months, just give yourself that time to really focus and do your best work in one place. Eight is consistency. So as well as being consistent in quality, like we talked about in point number one, you need consistency in actually showing up. The best way to do this, I find, is to give yourself a schedule and try your damn hardest to stick to it. So that means if you say you're going to post to Instagram daily, post so regularly that if you fail to do so, it's such a rare event that people DM and ask if you're okay. If you want to grow your blog, post as often as you can and make it regular. So maybe you have two or three times a week where new posts go up. You can set any schedule that works for you and your available time. Maybe you can only afford to post once a month. Maybe you can only post to Instagram at the weekends. But make it consistent. Make it so that people can rely on the fact that they'll log in and see something new from you there on those days. Make it a point of pride that you are sticking to it. So if you need a little bit of accountability, which lots of us do, you could write your posting schedule in your bio. So new posts every day at this time or new blog posts every Tuesday and Friday, whatever it's going to be. And you can announce it somewhere like Twitter or on Instagram stories or a caption so that you've got a standard that you have to stick to. 
once you've said it, you don't want to let your audience down because that will make you appear flaky and unreliable. And we all know that that's not a good thing for building a trustful relationship. So you kind of have to stick to it, right? A good exercise to check in is for whichever platform you just chose in point eight is going to be your focus for the next three months. Go into that platform now and write down the dates of all of your recent posts onto the pages of your calendar or your diary. So literally every time you posted, write that in the box for the date it was posted on. Now have a look back over that. How regular were they? Is there a pattern? How many days did you intend to post but miss? If someone was logging in to check for your posts on that regular schedule, how many times would they have been disappointed? Now go forwards in your diary and write the schedule out to remind yourself to hit those targets going forwards. Nine is warmth. As humans looking for connection, this cannot be overstated and yet it's really, really often overlooked, I find. There's a reason that brands like Innocent, the smoothie makers, adopt that overly familiar, super friendly tone in so much of their communication. People like to see a real person in there. Many of us, especially if we're representing a business or a shop, can sort of slip into using this faux professional tone that we see lots of larger companies use in their communications. And so we sort of assume that that's the recipe for success. And maybe your industry requires that. So maybe you're a law firm or you are an account representing a large company. So obviously that's fine and probably appropriate. But if your business is just you making your stuff or sharing your tastes, sharing your views, you're a blogger maybe, then letting your human side show is usually the best way to go. You don't need to go for that cold, neutral, super cool tone. You don't need to say we if it's just you. Let your warmth show so that people feel interested and invested in you as a real actual person and that you're not just a faceless account or another company. That is kind of your unique selling point. We're small businesses, we're real people. And that is something we have over the likes of John Lewis, for example, who are a huge faceless organisation and are really difficult to connect with on that personal one-to-one basis. There's a reason why when you contact customer services for a big company through something like Twitter, the people always reply with their name and their initials so that you feel like you've spoken to a real person. We don't have to emulate that. They are trying to be more like us and try and be more direct individuals with real people behind it. So we actually have the strength and to try and pretend that we're bigger and less personal than we are can actually be disadvantaging ourselves and hiding one of our best selling points. So to check in, do your captions, descriptions, tweets, blog posts, whatever, make you sound like a human being. How would you share that same information if you were just talking with a friend over coffee? And is there a middle ground maybe that feels comfortable to share online? If you're really not sure, try just reading them out to a friend and see if you can do it without feeling like a robot. Point number 10 that you might want to check is your motivation. So this is sort of covered by a few of the previous points, but I thought it was worth pulling it out and highlighting on its own. We need to be posting for the right reasons. So if the only reason you're using Instagram or Twitter or posting to your blog is because you want more customers or bigger numbers then it probably won't work. What would you rather read? A blog written by someone whose sole intention is to tempt you over to their shop or a blog from someone who is just bursting with ideas and observations who is just desperate to share it with someone? Instagram is one place that can sort of be an exception to this in the sense that if you go really hard at it and post very people-pleasing pictures and if you get that right, you can actually grow super quickly on there. But even then, it has the downside that you'll often end up with a really vague, non-specific audience who just aren't invested in what you do and then fail to convert into real customers or clients or readers. 
So as I mentioned before, when I force myself to post anywhere, I know it results in less genuine and therefore less impactful content and relationships. If we follow our interest and our motivation to find out where we really want to be hanging out online right now, we'll make the connections we're supposed to be making and we'll grow in the direction that we naturally want to grow. So to check in, think about why you want to use social media. So if you're currently in a really numbers-focused mindset, try and shift this a little bit to something more motivating and maybe more meaningful. For example, instead of, I want to reach 10,000 followers, you could tell yourself, I want to connect daily with people in my right audience so I can get to know them better and understand what my customers want and like. The latter gives you a reason to keep showing up regularly. It gives you daily results and it gives you long-term gains for your business outside of just a number on social media. Ultimately, it is just the content that matters. So if your content isn't already your number one priority in your online work, then that is the source of your problem. It needs to come before everything else. So that is before replying to comments, before strategy, before hashtags or schedules or how you share your work. The content is the key every single time. We need to move away from thinking of content purely as advertorial or as a way to tempt people into doing something we want them to do and stick to the idea that our content is part of our offering. It's part of our product, whatever it is we're using the internet for, and we need to be putting out our best products to the world. I'd be really interested to hear if any of those points resonated with you, if there are any things that you think I could add to that list that have felt true for you, and if you have identified anything that you're going to work on, which one it is, and what direction you're going to be moving in. Also, if you have any questions, you can always come and tweet them at me. I'm at me and Orla on Twitter, and you can leave questions on the show notes on my blog, which will be at meandorla.co.uk forward slash podcast 22. I'll also stick links there to the Insta Retreat course for anyone that wants to try and grab a slot and to Bloom and Grow, which is going to be open all summer now because it's had an amazing response. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a lovely week and I will see you here next time. Bye.